0: And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. While the Son of Man goes, it has been determined, but woe to that man whom he has betrayed. And they began to question one another which of them it could be who was going to do this a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest and he said to them the kings of the gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you decline as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater one who reclines at table, or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves.
1: Do you remember a significant meal which marked your life? As I pondered this question, I remembered a meal beside the Congo River in Kinshasa, Democratic Republic of Congo. I'd spent a few weeks working on some difficult projects with Congolese brothers and sisters. It was our last evening together. So they took me to a a restaurant in downtown Kinshasa, and we ate crocodile. It was meaningful for me not only because it was the first time I was eating crocodile, But more importantly, because of the things that we shared, we had lived through something really important together. We were brothers and sisters in Christ. They were making a sacrifice to bless me, and they wanted to do it. Because of the setting, the journey, the relationship, and the sacrifice, the moment was filled with meaning. Around the world, families and friends gather around meals. They share food and socialize and bond. Each culture celebrates important moments around special meals, birthdays, weddings, anniversaries, and festivals. For disciples of Jesus, this meal is the big one. It's the Lord's table, sometimes referred to as the Lord's Supper, communion, the farewell meal, and the Eucharist, which just simply means the giving of thanks. And this meal is all of these. This meal, it points to the major turning point in all of history. Because of who Jesus was and what he did in fulfillment of this meal, our human story has been forever changed. We can't go back. At the center of our story, we find Jesus. Let's set the context for today's passage, Luke 22. In Luke chapter 18 Jesus begins his journey toward Jerusalem. He tells his disciples that he will be taken, mistreated, and killed, but he will rise again. The disciples do not understand. At the beginning of chapter 19, Jesus meets a corrupt chief tax collector, Zacchaeus, in Jericho. Jesus goes to his home. Zacchaeus surrenders everything to Jesus, his whole life. And Jesus says... Today salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Remember that line. At the end of chapter 19, Jesus continues his journey. He travels from Bethany to Jerusalem, riding a colt. As he enters Jerusalem one week before the Passover, many are proclaiming him to be the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The religious leaders challenge his authority. They want to destroy him. And Jesus weeps over the city of Jerusalem. What does Jesus do the week prior to his crucifixion? Luke 21 tells us that Jesus spends the final week before his death teaching in the temple. Early, every morning, people come to hear him, they hang on every word. Jesus teaches all day and then retires to mount all of it, just outside the city, overlooking Jerusalem. As we turn to Luke 22, the day of the Passover feast is very near. Why would Jesus want to celebrate this meal with his disciples? The Passover was an annual meal that celebrated the defining moment in Israel's history. More than 1400 years before Jesus, the Jews had been enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt. After sending nine plagues to loosen Pharaoh's grip on Israel, God sent a final plague to execute justice and free his people. This justice would fall on Jews and Egyptians alike. The only way for a family to escape was for them to put their faith in God's way of salvation. Each family was to sacrifice a lamb and wipe the blood on the doorposts as a sign of their trust in God. Every home that night, when divine justice came down, either you stood under the substitute of the sacrificed lamb, the lamb's blood, or justice fell on your family. If you were under the blood of the lamb, death passed over you and you were delivered. That is why it is called Passover. Passover. Because of this 10th plague, Pharaoh pled with the people of Israel to leave, and God delivered Israel from Egyptian bondage and led them through uh, the Red Sea to freedom. This event is known as the Exodus. Before Jesus, for more than a thousand years, this Passover meal was the most important annual event in Israel's calendar. It remembered their deliverance. Yet at the same time, this annual sacrifice of the Passover lamb pointed forward for centuries to the night when Jesus would recline at the table with his disciples. It would be his last Passover meal with them. As Jesus and the disciples gather for the meal, Judas has already conspired with the religious leaders in Jerusalem. The fact that Judas' betrayal is already in motion renders this meal and its significance even more poignant. Jesus' betrayer will be at the table, listening, participating from beginning to end. In order to prepare for the Passover, Jesus sends Peter and John into Jerusalem rather secretly. He tells them what will happen, and it happens exactly as he has predicted. Peter and John enter Jerusalem. A man carrying a jar of water meets them. Now this would have been an unusual sight, something easy to notice, because carrying a water jar was considered to be the work of women. So they see the man, and they follow the man into a home. The master of the house shows Peter and John to a large upper room, already furnished. This must have been a very encouraging moment for Peter and John. Jesus has foreseen everything. He's sovereign over this entire moment. The Passover had to be prepared in a certain way. The meal included four moments when the host, holding a cup of red wine mixed with water, got up and explained the feast's meaning. The four cups represented four promises made by God in Exodus chapter 6. The first cup was lifted with a preliminary course to bless the day. It represented God's promise to free Israel from their burdens in Egypt. The second cup was lifted after an explanation of the day's meaning, and it coincided with the singing of praise psalms. Psalms 113 to 118 were sung. This cup represented God's promise to deliver Israel from slavery. The third cup followed the meal of lamb, unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. It represented God's promise to save Israel with his powerful, outstretched arm. The fourth cup followed the final moment of singing praise psalms. It represented God's promise to take Israel to be his people. God promised to be Their God. Now, with this in mind, as we walk through today's passage, we'll pay special attention to what Jesus says at the Passover meal. Luke 22, verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. Luke writes that the hour has come. It's the evening hour, it's the Lord's hour, it is his moment. Despite all the tension in Jerusalem around his person and his mission, despite the betrayal of Judas and the suffering he will face, Jesus and his father are sovereignly accomplishing their purposes in this very moment. In Luke chapter 22, verse 22, Jesus declares that he will go as it has been determined. It was determined in eternity past. What was planned from before the foundation of the world will happen in this moment. So first of all, Jesus confirms God's sovereign eternal purposes at this meal. Nothing is out of control. God was in control at the time of the Jewish exodus from Egypt. God is now sovereignly present at this Passover in Jerusalem. As Jesus contemplates the cross, he reclines at table knowing that his Father has all things in his hands. The cross, it will not be some tragic mistake or a human derailment of what God had intended. It will be the reason for Jesus' coming. It is God's plan from before the beginning. Throughout the meal, Jesus gives thanks. Gratitude. Gratitude is certainly the sentiment of those who rest in God's sovereignty. Jesus is sovereign over our moment today as well. We live in an interesting time. Many sense that something is shifting on the global stage. The world is rattling. Global powers jockey for position. We experience increasing surveillance. During the week of teaching in the temple prior to this Passover meal, Jesus talked at length about the end of all things. We live in a time to be awake, to pray, and to remember the meaning of this Passover meal. It is a moment to remember that Jesus is sovereign over this moment in our personal lives, our church family life, and the world around us. Nothing falls outside of God's sovereign hand. And so it's a time to give thanks. Remember, gratitude is the sentiment of those who rest in God's sovereignty. Jesus is present with us today as we participate in his meal. This is what he said to his first disciples. Luke 22, verse 15. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Jesus earnestly desires this moment with his disciples because firstly, it is an opportunity to look back. As we said This meal represents that first exodus from Egypt and all that it meant for Israel as a people. The meal is a moment of intimate fellowship, remembering God's first act of salvation on Israel's behalf. Then secondly, for centuries, the celebration of this Passover meal, it spoke prophetically to the moment when Jesus would be with his disciples, this history-changing moment that Jesus has been living toward. We can only imagine what Jesus felt in this moment. He will fulfill the Passover's meaning. And then, thirdly, this Passover meal is a pledge to have another meal in the future when everything will be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Jesus knows that he will sit with his disciples again. Jesus takes the first of four cups. Luke chapter 20, verse 17. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. Jesus passes the common cup to the 12 disciples. They are to share it amongst themselves. And this sharing, it intensifies the oneness that is at the heart of the meal. But then remember, at least one person's hand at the table does not share in this oneness. As host of the meal, Jesus would have said at this point, Blessed are you who created the fruit of the vine. He would have given thanks for God's act of provision and salvation at the Exodus. And then Jesus says something remarkable. Look at verse 18 For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Something is changing. Jesus will not sit at the table again until he returns for his people, his disciples, to restore all things. Scripture tells us it will be a great banquet celebration. At that moment, all of his promises will be fulfilled. His people will be with him forever. Jesus, his suffering as the ultimate Passover lamb, will not be the end. So point two. Jesus prophetically declares the kingdom to come. Our passage does not mention the second cup. Jesus would have taken a second cup, explained the meaning of Passover, and led the disciples in singing praise psalms. Matthew and Mark mention Jesus singing with his disciples at this meal. Can you imagine singing with Jesus in this moment before his death? As host of the meal... Jesus would have shown his disciples the bread and said, This is the bread of our affliction, which our fathers ate in the wilderness. This unleavened bread, it reminds us that when we left Egypt, we left so quickly that we did not have time to break bread. Luke 22, verse 19. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying... Jesus gives thanks, and then he says, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is filling the symbols of Passover with new meaning. He links the bread with his body offered, broken at his death. Jesus' body will be the once-for-all fulfillment of the Passover as he will become the ultimate Passover lamb. On the basis of his sacrifice, God will pass over the sins of the people. Jesus will die as their substitute. When Jesus says, this is my body, which is given for you, he's saying, this is the bread of my affliction, of my suffering on behalf of you. I will lead the ultimate exodus and bring you the ultimate deliverance from bondage, forgiveness of sin, and the gift of eternal life. If we gather around this table today and we hang on the words spoken by Jesus, it is because Jesus allowed himself to be hung on a tree, the cross, for us. Our celebration of the Lord's table is a remembrance of that sacrifice. It's not a re-sacrifice. No, we remember what Jesus did. And Jesus is present, not physically in the bread and the cup, but present spiritually by faith. He is with two or three gathered in a home or two or three thousand who gather in a large auditorium. He is with those who gather in his name. As we receive the bread and the cup, he's present to, to strengthen our faith, to fellowship with us, and to feed our souls. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus says. To remember is to recall the life, the deeds of Jesus. But it's not just to bring to memory. To remember is to take and feed on Jesus, to abide in him. Thank you, Jesus. I'm yours. Jesus, I I need you today. To remember is to partake in his body, to identify with him fully, and to commit to live as he did. After the main course of the meal, Jesus would have taken the third cup. In verse 20, we read, and likewise the cup after they had eaten. Near the end of the meal, after the main course, Jesus holds up the third cup, the cup of blessing, or the cup of redemption. It corresponds to God's third promise in Exodus 6.6. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. The word likewise there in verse 20, it means that he gave thanks again. He took this cup and then addressed the twelve. Jesus said... This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The cup foreshadows the shedding of Jesus' blood. Jesus will die for the sake of the people instead of the people, on behalf of the people. His death will be a substitutionary death. As the Passover lamb, he will absorb God's wrath. He will take the sin, guilt, and shame of humanity upon himself he will take divine justice upon himself so that we can be passed over. And through the shedding of his blood, a new covenant will be sealed between God and humanity. With Jesus' sacrifice, a new era will begin. What does this mean? Through Jesus, God invites people like us into an eternal, bonded relationship, a relationship where God is our Father, Jesus is our Savior, and the Holy Spirit abides in us. We enter this covenant relationship with God based on his grace. We don't earn our way into this relationship. When we place our trust in Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf, we enter this new covenant. We're reborn. We become spiritually alive. Our hearts are united with Jesus. Through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, Jesus opens the way for people like us to be forgiven of our sin to receive the gift of eternal life, to enter a new relationship with God by the Spirit, to receive full membership in the family of God. Jesus makes all things new. And so the third point, Jesus announces a new covenant through his sacrifice of love. Just as the first Passover was observed the night before God redeemed the Israelites from slavery to Egypt, through the blood of lambs. So this Passover meal is eaten the night before God redeemed the world from slavery to sin and death through the blood of Jesus. And this meal also looks forward to another feast. This meal prophetically celebrates the future reign of Jesus forevermore. Two times Jesus says, I will not eat or drink it until the kingdom of God comes. When he makes this vow... He's making a solemn oath with his first disciples and with us. Jesus makes a vow, sealed by his blood, to return. And he will bring us into the Father's house. He will get us to that great banquet that the Scripture speaks of, to what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he will drink of the cup with us. At that ultimate feast, as host of that supper, he will lift the cup. So, fourthly, Jesus' words, they reveal his eager anticipation of the feast to come. Jesus looks forward to his second coming. He looks forward to the the consummation of all things. He looks forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He looks forward to the day when he will sit with his disciples again and partake in the bread and the cup in the new kingdom. The Lord's table It's always a prophetic moment. Each time we partake of it, we should be filled with confident hope. We're declaring, come Lord Jesus, come. We will eat the bread and drink of the cup with him when he returns. So when we come to the Lord's Supper, we participate with all of our senses, our vision, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. We reflect on the essence of our faith. We affirm our acceptance of Jesus as our Savior, our Passover Lamb. We declare our identity with Jesus and his people. We celebrate his presence with us as host. And then sometimes we remember that our hearts have actually strayed. We remember that we have not followed the way of Jesus. Right after the Passover meal with Jesus... (laughs) The disciples, the first disciples, demonstrate how they have completely missed what Jesus is all about. It's painful to read, actually. Jesus, the Son of God, has just said that he will be betrayed and will die. The meal they've shared together symbolizes what he will do for them. He will pour out his life for them and for all of humanity. And the disciples, well, they wonder about who amongst them might be the greatest. We could laugh if it was not so true of us as well. We're always talking about impact and influence and legacy, greatness. Even after participating in the Lord's Supper, we so often often go on to live for ourselves. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, in the context of this Passover conversation, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He serves them. Some believe that the disciples would have positioned themselves that Passover night according to rank in relation to Jesus and one another. We certainly don't read these words in our text. Matthew, you take the best seat. No, you, John, take this place of honor. Bartholomew, I'll wash your feet. No, 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 Philip, I'll wash yours. We don't hear that. Jesus turns the tables when he, the host of the meal, gets up and washes their feet. And he says, The youngest, that is, the lowest in rank, is the greatest. When the disciples think about their future, they think about status and honorable titles, the exercise of power and authority. They betray what Jesus has taught them. For Jesus, greatness is not defined by the exercise or presence of power but in service. Jesus defines greatness as service. This is the way of Jesus. When we truly meet Jesus at this meal, we depart united with one another and with a desire to be like Jesus, to love others and serve them. At this meal, we proclaim our deepest heart affection. All who follow Jesus are invited to participate, And if you feel you're not ready to identify with Jesus, just feel free to observe and pray with us. If you're not in relationship with Jesus at this time, I invite you to consider him. I encourage you to get to know Jesus personally. Remember what Jesus said to Zacchaeus, that tax collector in Jericho, and all who had gathered in his home have come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus gave his life for your salvation and we who identify with Jesus who say we're followers of Jesus we need to remember our oneness with Jesus may we remember that that we need to forgive and, and be forgiven to make things right we may remember as we celebrate the meal that through our words and actions we've strayed from the way of Jesus we need to be quiet, reflect and confess so let's be quiet for a moment On the night when um, Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The body of Christ broken for us. Let's participate together. And then he took the cup and he said this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The blood of Christ shed for us. Let's participate together. Let's pray. So Father we thank you again for sending Jesus for our salvation. You did that out of love for us. And we thank you, Father, that you have drawn us to your Son. Jesus, we thank you for coming. We thank you for revealing the Father to us, his heart of love. Thank you for being obedient all the way to the cross. And on that cruel cross in Jerusalem, you our sin upon yourself you paid the price we could never pay through your sacrifice jesus we have been offered the gift of forgiveness when we place our trust in you jesus we are forgiven and so we thank you for forgiveness of sin thank you for cleansing us thank you that we now are in the right with your Father because of what you have done. Thank you, Father, that you, when you look at us, your people, you see us through Jesus. You see the righteousness of Jesus, our Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for making us spiritually alive. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to abide in us. Thank you, Lord, that we will live with you forever. Thank you that we can participate in this meal and remember what you have done on our behalf. You have freed us of guilt. You have removed our shame. We're now full members of your family. You have dispelled our fears. We now have power to not sin. We have victory over death. We have authority even over the evil one. We do not need to live in fear. We can live with confident hope because all things are in your hands and we know that you will return as you have promised and on that day of your return we will see you face to face and we will celebrate this feast with you and you will lift the cup. We look forward to that day eagerly, Jesus. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. In your name we pray, amen. God bless you.